I mean, I have to imagine that Tarantino kind of got the inspiration for Inglorious Bastards from this. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. That like it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I finally watched Gremlins. So this is another holiday classic. Um I would have to say is almost like the perfect blend of wholesome and horror. If you're comparing it to another Christmas movie, but not really a Christmas movie like Die Hard, this one falls way more into it being a Christmas movie, at least in my opinion. What what well, did you think about Gremlins? Well, they're both Die Hard and Gremlins. They're Christmas Eve movies. Fair. Okay. Take place on Christmas Eve. Yes. Um, I liked Gremlins a lot. You know, it's funny. When I was a kid, not that I was like, you know, Gremlins was even like an idea of something I would watch, but it was probably, I felt like it was going to be too scary for me as a kid. And then by the time I grew up, I was like, that looks stupid. Right. And so I never, there was never this perfect in between where I was like, maybe it's a little bit scary. Maybe it's not stupid. Um, but I really liked it. It's, it starts off super interesting with the, the father character ran Peltzer like just in Chinatown in a random Chinatown in a city in the US um, trying to sell his gadgets or trying to buy a gift for his son I guess uh, you're both? Not really sh- right uh, he seems like he's a, uh, a guy who really likes to take opportunities where they come um, and so you have the whole he buys this exotic pet from this Asian store that's underground and really hard to find. Um, he doesn't actually even really buy it. He buys it from the son when the grandfather's not looking who owns the store. Right. Um, I do love the optimism of the father in that beginning scene because even though his invention is so shitty <laughs> and he like sprays this stuff all over himself trying to, it's a like a pocket traveling organizer with like a toothbrush. He still like after it doesn't work in front of this guy, still tries to sell it to him. Right. Which I think is just like, you know, that's a good spirit to have if you're an inventor, a self-proclaimed one. Right. Um, what's amazing to me is he when he first I love how you can hear Gizmo like chirping and singing in the background. And it like takes his attention away a little bit, but not really. And he's, you know, he's still trying to sell this thing. And eventually he's like, okay, what the hell is this? And when he sees the thing, when he sees the Mogwai, he, he, he'll, he's just like, I'll give you $200 for it. And what's, I mean, it's not cheap. Like, especially in 1984, like 200 bucks was like 500 bucks. I'm like, I wouldn't pay 500 bucks for a dog, you know? Uh, especially if, that's the other thing that a, a lot of movies... In the past, I don't think either gave credit to their audiences or maybe pre-internet when you didn't have people talking back and forth and like being able to instantaneously tell you why your movie sucked. Um, But like this guy cannot be a successful inventor. Um, And yet they live in what seems to be a pretty nice house. And he's able to just drop $200 uh, on a Mogwai. Um, and not only that, he's traveling all the time, which like, 
how is he affording that aspect of it? Like none of that part really makes sense. Um, but you just have to let it go because then you get to the gremlins. I guess like before gremlins become gremlins, they're mogwais, which, you know, gizmo is throughout the entirety of the movie. And it's almost like a cross between like E.T. and a Furby, which is my best explanation for it. Um, it's not particularly like the cutest thing, except the fact, I mean, Gizmo, I mean, just because of his personality, I think is is pretty cute. It's pretty cute. I mean, I can't, I guess it's it's furry, right? So it's it feels like it might be soft to touch. Like it might be like cuddly. Okay. Um, Gizmo, at least. It, it does raise the question of, so to establish there's three rules, um, Mogwais don't like sunlight. It will kill them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely do not give them water, which raises the question of what do they survive on? I guess just the food. Um, well, I also think like, can they just drink water or is it just like you can't bathe them? I, I mean, I don't know. And then the third one, um, you can't feed them after midnight, which is, this is the most important rule. But that raises the question of when can you start feeding them again? I, I took it as like 11.59 and then midnight. And then you can't feed them until maybe the sun comes back up the next day. I think that's what the consensus was on the internet, but it was just never explained in this movie. But I, I think that is the only thing that would make sense. Um, because technically, isn't every time after midnight? Correct. Right. That that is the issue. But I also think I get why they don't explain that because it's just much cooler to say, you know, as a tagline, don't feed them after midnight or you know what I mean? And yeah. like as a as a really like mysterious rule, um, instead of like um between the hours of midnight and six AM, uh you cannot feed them. Or uh <laughs> after midnight and then you have to check your local sunrise to make sure that the sun is up. So I, I think it's just cooler to say don't feed them after midnight. Right. Um, which, you know, obviously if you're going to set these like highly specific rules, the movie wouldn't take place unless, you know, shit happens and, and um, the rules were broken. Uh, I, I really love how Steven Spielberg has his fingerprints all over this movie. For sure. Uh, he does. From Indiana Jones references to E.T. references, like, multiple multiple times it's just i think it's great i think next to you get introduced to some very interesting characters uh the first is murray his neighbor who really has a problem with foreign uh imported cars and uh, i guess tractors too right i guess he uses his kentucky harvester as his tractor i, I do first of all he's always talking about foreign cars and how much they suck but then I love like the little throwaway line under his breath about how he finds out that there's like foreign parts in his in his tractor. I think right, it's like something he brought up, um, and and then he he gets his comeuppance by his like his tractor like, just like murdering him, which is another I I felt like that was an ET moment when he's standing in front of the shed, and you know in ET it's supposed to be this this like childlike wonderment of like oh what ended up in my shed and this one it was just chaos and destruction right 
And then the next character you're introduced to is Mrs. Deagle. Right. Which, like, they're discussing Mrs. Deagle, and then you see uh, an up-close of a lady's face, and you're just like, that has to be Mrs. Deagle. Not even just because of the proximity of when they were talking about her to when you see her, but just, like, you can tell. Like, (laughs) this is the most horrible woman in town walking up to the point where she, like, tells a a mother that is, you know, going to get evicted and can't feed her children, like, tough shit. Right. Um, and then threatens to murder a dog, which, by the way, if you want to murder a dog and then in public the dog bites you, I'm pretty sure you could have had that dog put down at that point. <laughs> good good to know, David. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, what, what do you mean good to know? I'm just saying, like, if a dog bites you, you couldn't raise a huff. And she just seems to like, she missed her opportunity, honestly. I mean, you're right. You're right. I, I've had a dog bite me and well, I don't hate animals. So I didn't have it put. No, I did not have it put down. Okay. Let me just make sure. No. Um, <laughs> the, the funny thing that I found with this film, the first time I saw it and, you know, onward is that these characters that you're introduced to that are like kind of the the not antagonist of the film but kind of the antagonist of of billy's life in a way or at least the town's you know not so you know number one citizens they're they all get their comeuppets or you know whatever they deserve by the actual antagonist of the movie which I found a really interesting way of doing that. What's interesting to me is uh, Gerald, played by Judge Reinhold, who is kind of, he, he plays a very good side character. He also plays a very good asshole uh, in movies. Mm-hmm. And he's a big asshole in the beginning of this movie. And then you never see him again. Right. Which I think has to be like a, he didn't have availability like after the first couple days or something like it doesn't make any sense to not have a scene where he's getting attacked well can you yeah i was gonna say can you imagine have this like entire scene written out that it's like oh my god this is the best he's gonna get totally slaughtered and then it just never comes to fruition or somehow maybe it gets left on the cutting room floor which would be like that that would be really sad Although he, I don't... Could have, he, could, he could have had a great scene where he's getting chased, he's sweaty, freaking out. Like he plays that so well, and we don't get it. We're deprived. Um, well, the, actually, I have the the way I, I watch Gremlins is I have it on DVD, and I have not just the DVD, but I have the the special edition. And there is no scene like that, so I don't think they even shot it. Humble brag, special edition DVD. Huh? Uh, yeah, Gremlins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I do like how they also, Mrs. Deagle is basically Scrooge. Right. Like 100%, that's what, like, she's the female embodiment of that in this movie. So there is, like, this movie, as you said, it has so many Spielberg homages, but it just has so many homages to, like, movies in general and characters and archetypes that I think is probably why it's, like, hard for a movie like this to not work well. Well, you also have to look at the fact that this movie ha- had to have been risky because you're making a Christmas flick. You're making a monster movie, which is, I mean, I say risky, but, you know, you put Steven Spielberg's name on anything in 1980s and, you know, you got a gold mine. But the fact that it's a it's this like wholesome family Christmas movie slash monster movie slash action film 
there, there had have been some sort of like, well, I don't know if this is going to work moment, you know? Right. I think what makes this movie happen is that Spielberg believes in it and is kind of putting his name on it. That's the only way that you really... Well, also, if you played it straight, right? If you were like, okay, these monsters attack this town and terrorize this town and kill a bunch of people on Christmas Eve. And if you played that straight, I don't think it would have worked. But the fact that there's so much comedy and jokes and like wink, wink to the camera here and there throughout the entirety of the film, I think that's what makes this like a one of a kind sort of thing. And um, I think also how gory it is and obviously like i'm not even talking i don't even think there's an ounce of apart from maybe like a bleeding head i don't think there's an ounce of human blood but as far as like the goriness on like the gremlins goes that's like actually like terrifying right and i think i think we'll, we'll definitely get to that point too I do want to also say, and I know I mentioned this a little bit, but the dad is such a shitty inventor. Like they keep showing you these, first of all, the it's it's like a subplot in the movie, the, the dad, because he's the one telling this story as the narrator, but he's not there for almost any of it. Right. So he's like, he stole this story, but they have all these inventions. First they have what, like the egg cracker, which is like just breaks the eggs and the mom's no, like, no, no. Oh. The first one is you're introduced to in the China store, uh, the Chinatown store. Right. It's no, like I, the bathroom I thing. I understand that. And that, but that one looks like it almost might work because it's really just like a thing that holds all this stuff, but then it sprays them with toothpaste. But then you have the egg cracker and the wife is like, oh, those things usually work for a couple weeks and then they don't. Then the orange juice thing, which is like a completely over the top joke because it puts one orange in and it shoots out like, 50 oranges worth of like orange juice slash whatever that is right but the the wife is so understanding about all of this it like makes no sense how she's just she's cool with all of it well she's actually one of my favorite characters i think i think they had to bring up her likability well i mean just the fact that she's like this like caring supportive wife brings up her likability but also She's a total badass. Oh, yeah. She doesn't fuck around. Like, when she is... This is, like, the main part of the movie that I loved and wanted to talk about. But when she figures out that there's these things in there and they throw something at her, first, one is, like, in the blender and she's, like, just turns it on. I was like, oh, fuck. That's... Like, the fact that you're just going to turn on the blender and kill... Like, I mean, pressing a button is, like, you know... in order to kill someone like it takes some fortitude some like you know bravado but then to just pull a knife and just stab one of these things to death oh my god i was just like i was like holy shit did it did anything at that point did some did one of them do something to her they did right they threw a glass at her head she blenders one she stabs the other then she kicks the other in the microwave and just puts it on until its head fucking explodes i think honestly and then she, well honestly between the blender and the microwave 
has to be like my favorite death scenes. Right. And then she gets attacked by the one in the tree and they've been setting up there's fucking swords on the wall. Like when I saw the swords on the wall, I was like, all right, well, so that sword's going to come into play. Um, and then the son finally takes out one. Like, first of all, so Mr. I guess it's Hanson, the uh, like science teacher at what a local high school, I guess. Um, right. He immediately gets killed by one uh billy gets attacked by one and like gets cut and like his hand gets hit and then later on he gets stabbed by another one and the mom takes out three like nothing right. and the only reason the one got the jump on her is because it was hiding but like was that stripe did stripe get the jump on her no that was another one stripe was just hiding the the one that got the jump on her in the tree when he pops his head up, Billy cuts its head off. That's right. And, and you know, these things are like really intelligent, uh, kind of, sort of, I guess, or some of them are, right? Some of them are obviously more intelligent than the other. Gizmo and Stripe has to be, have to be the, the top two smartest ones. But you also have the ones where it's like they set up traps and they've done this a couple of times throughout the film is where they set up like a, a toy, like a like an animatronic toy in like a stocking or for as a distraction. And I was like, for a creature, an animal to be able to do that has to be like human level IQ, you know? No, right. They're they're all very highly intelligent. But what, what I think is interesting is um, Gizmo is very like kind and sweet. And he's the only one. All right. the rest are horrible. Like they're immediately trying to see what they can get away with. They trick Billy into feeding them after midnight by cutting his clock, which is which is genius for a human. But like the the their ability to do that, and then from then on, like every single other one outside of Gizmo is just evil, which is crazy. Well, you need to watch Gremlins too. <laughs> Um, I don't think I do. <laughs> the The thing that I was debating with Taylor about it was that, you know, why doesn't Gizmo join the others in eating after midnight? And I think it's for the sole fact that they all know what happens to them if they do eat past midnight. You know, they know that they're going to turn into these like ugly, hideous creatures, you know, terrifying creatures. But the other ones just don't give a shit. They don't, they, you know, they probably want it. Gizmo, is, you know, knows what he would become and because of that refuses to do it. And yeah, you're right. It's probably just because he's like a sweet little Mogwai. Right. Also back to the science teacher, and this is a major point that I really need to talk about. What kind of sandwich is he eating <laughs> it looks like a bread sandwich it looks like the worst possible yeah like he has to be single he had to have made that himself right because that's that could have been better well whoever was writing this or directing this or production design was like what would like the saddest person on earth eat it's like a bread sandwich i also thought when the mom is um she sees the stocking moving right and it just turns out to be a toy. I thought that was somehow going to be Gizmo. And she was like almost going to chop him in half or something. 
I was like really worried. But Gizmo ended up in like the laundry chute or something. Yeah, like he that. he he couldn't get out. Gizmo is actually pretty useless physically, except for like the last fifteen minutes of the movie. Well, if you give him a appropriately sized motorized car, then he can take care of things. But otherwise, he's very immobile. He's like a turtle. Um. So, okay. So obviously, the Gizmo gets wet. He multiplies. They get fed after midnight. They turn into these like evil creature alligator things. And then I guess antics ensue. And I think this is where the story really kicks off where um, Stripe starts making, you know, trying to make it to the community pool. Right. Well, it seems like, so originally it just seems like he is running away because he realizes he's the last of the evil gremlins and he needs to one hide, but then two multiply. Um, And the scene where he jumps into the pool, I was like, I mean, can you electrocute them? (laughs) Can we throw, can we throw something in there? But um, obviously that was too early in the movie. But I think the the effects on that are really cool where you just have like the smoke billowing out and and Billy's just like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, and I'm thinking, is it like time release dry ice or is it just like a sort of like a jet hot tub pool system, you know? I mean, the way it's done and like the glowing green and everything is just so well done. I just, it's really cool. Right. And then this leads to Billy confronting the cops, right? Yeah, making a decision. I mean, no cops are going to believe you that there are these green like things running around. Like maybe if you had caught one, right? Um, but it's just like such a waste of time. I, I do love that. Uh, just <laughs> the one, the cops are drunk. <laughs> and then two as they just they decide to go they need to go out because there's been a call because murray was just murdered um and the one cop's like you always drive and he's like that's because i'm the sheriff asshole <laughs> that's why i drive um they're pretty funny they they do also you know we talked about like the comeuppance that some of these people get they go out they're the cops they're supposed to be helping other people they see the local santa getting torn apart by four or five of these things and they just drive off well their brakes have been cut so now they like completely crash and you know we don't know what happened to them but um well also doesn't what's her name fly out the window as they're driving by also Right, Mrs. Deagle. Mrs. Deagle like fly so the way okay so let's let's back up a little bit because first that you know they're uh they take they commandeer the tractor and just run that couple over but then also it shows them hot wiring this like wheel like automatic wheelchair that leads up and down her staircase her reaction to first of all when when i mentioned this movie when you sat down to to watch it did it ever come into your mind that you would be watching like nine gremlins singing Christmas carols? Uh, I mean, it was more than I could have hoped for, honestly. Um, 
and it, it was pretty great. I like I enjoyed that scene. There's obviously a scene later on that we'll talk about that I I thought was a little long. Um but yeah, I mean I enjoyed the antics of I enjoyed the fun evil nature of the gremlins, even if, you know, at the end of the day I would have liked them to uh to lose. I, I also I think it's interesting too. So Murray, who's killed by his own tractor, earlier it's he talks about gremlins and he talks about how they're brought over in foreign cars and they're these things that da, 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 and he's drunk and so you can't really follow what he's saying. And then when he sees these green people things driving the tractor into him and his wife, which by the way, why would you guys not like move to the side or something, but whatever. Um, he's like, oh, the gremlins, they're coming for me. Like, did he recognize them or was it just like a coincidence? And he's like, these must be gremlins. Like, I didn't really follow that. Is there just this like subplot of where he saw gremlins in the war? I, I mean, I don't know. Like, cause he mentioned world war two. So, right. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's a great question. I I'm lost there. So at this point, the gremlins have basically taken over and started terrorizing the town. Um, and there's like this, uh, scene where the you know father from the church tries to put in his his mail and it's like little things that lead up to i guess one of the more infamous scenes of this movie which is the bar and that's also the scene where it kind of ties in the our main character with the love interest you know right and i was really confused as to why she was making them drinks i guess because they let it be known that we'll tear you apart if you stop making us drinks. Um, right. And I thought that scene, it, it's funny, but it, it just went on way too long for me. Like just way too long. It felt like 10 minutes and it probably wasn't that long, but I was just like, I get it. You're like gremlins playing poker, Ray Charles gremlin, uh, a gremlin flashes her in a trench coat, even though the rest of them are always naked anyway. Um, it, there are some funny ones, but I was just like, let's, Let's move it along a little bit. I do like that Stripe is like playing poker and one of the other gremlins is like going to put down a better hand than him and he just shoots him. Yeah. I mean, you didn't like the Jennifer Grey dirty dancing gremlin with like the camera keeps flipping upside down like the, the 80s flash dance. It was pretty good. Yeah, it is. Um, um, I, I like how one of them had like five cigarettes in their mouth. And she like politely was gonna light it for them, but then that's how she figured out that they they don't like fire or sunlight. It was interesting how she made the connection from fire to light very quickly, because you could have just True. as simply said like, "Oh, fire!" So I have to make more fire, which she but, could have easily done because she had a bunch of alcohol behind her. She could have just made like a, you know what I mean? And it, yeah. Like it's a Molotov cocktail. Like a Molotov cocktail, right. And then, but she went with a with a flash camera. Well, I think between her and Billy, one of them is willing to blow up property more easily than the other. And so maybe that's why uh, she just decided to go with the camera. Um, I This does lead into kind of an interesting part. And Kate um, is a very kind of, interesting character uh played by phoebe cates who was in like fast times at ridge and other stuff like that um first she's walking billy's walking her home and she just 
makes this comment like while other people are opening their presents other people are opening their wrists and i was like holy fuck kate yeah she's like fucking dark um real dark and then the santa story it it's one of my favorite it's probably no it is definitely my favorite part of of gremlins i look forward to this scene every time i watch gremlins so I was looking something up and the uh, studio really wanted the scene cut. Right. Because they're like, it doesn't really make any sense. And we're not really sure if it's supposed to be funny or if it's supposed to be sad. <laughs> um, and then Spielberg wanted it cut too. But he said, basically, I'm not the director. The director was Joe Dante. So it's your call. And the director was like, what's well, fucking staying in then? And that's why it's still in. It's a super weird story and it doesn't like I, I I liked it. It's it's interesting and like the the punchline of it of like him like that's why she hates Christmas. No it, no no. So hold on. I I love this scene and and I just wanna I, I have a few comments about it. So the first time I heard the heard this scene from beginning to end, I laughed so hard. I thought it was just like the delivery and everything was so funny when she goes. And that's when I knew Santa wasn't real. And I just, it's just one of the fucking funniest things I think. And, and yeah, it's sad and tragic and horrible, but the fact that it's like, that's how she found out that there was no such thing as Santa. I thought it was just a very like, well-timed dark joke no i agree um did you find it as funny as i did or were you kind of like solemn in your reaction i mean i wasn't sad i didn't laugh either because i'm not a psychopath um i just thought it was kind of interesting it was funny i was looking it up as it was playing and uh i just said like oh, the studio wanted to cut, cut the Santa story. And then so the movie was playing and then that part happened. And I was like, how is this a Santa story? And I was like, oh, that's how it's a Santa story. Um, right. I, that does lead into, I really like the Silent Night song, but like the creepy version right after that, which is really cool. Cause it's like, this is almost like similar to like a nightmare or uh, a night before, nightmare before Christmas? Nightmare before Christmas. With the like, it's like a this is kind of a Halloween type movie, but it's a Christmas movie. Like, and so having the creepy Silent Night version of the song, I thought was really cool. Right after this really fucking dark story, and I can't I can't remember. I know like one of my first viewings of this movie, I looked it up if Snow White actually held a special significance, and I can't for the life of me actually remember if it does, but. There's something about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and the high ho scene where, you know, Kate's like asking Billy, what are they doing? And Billy just like nonchalantly responds like they're watching Snow White and they're loving it. They're really into Snow White. They're really into Snow White. And then they start singing along with them with hi-ho, hi-ho, but it's all horrible. Um, when this I love was it. I love when, it. 
when this was happening, I was like, all right, there are hundreds to thousands of these things running loose. Like, how are they going to get them all together? And then he's just like, oh, they're probably at the movie theater. And like, oh, yeah, there they are all there. I mean, I have to imagine that Tarantino kind of got the inspiration for Inglorious Bastards from this. Oh, yeah, 100%. That Like, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. I, I also think, like, couldn't you have just, like, flashed like there wasn't a way to flash like some brightness on them. You just had to fucking blow the theater up. Um, well, that also kind of like leads to the question, like, is the projector not bright enough to not kill them, but to like disturb them? Because they seemed fine watching watching the movie. You know, it's, it's funny too, because um, at that point, Stripe only survives because he wants candy. And it's this, I don't know. It, maybe I'm trying to look too deep into it. But if you look at it, like Stripe is the id, right? Like he just wants what he wants. But then Gizmo is kind of more of like the, the or is Gizmo the id and then Stripe would be the ego. At like a yin and yang sort of like standpoint of looking at this. I don't know. I think Gizmo is just all cute and cuddly and everything right in the world. And then Stripe is, is evil. It's like, it's like maybe there was this deep evil part of Gizmo that was removed when the water hit him. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. But he, but, but basically he survives because he wants candy so he's not caught in the in the explosion i like how it doesn't just explode but the movie theater explodes three times at three different angles and then you actually see them like burning alive inside like that's kind and of then like, it explodes again you can then see explodes them burning again. and then explodes again it's like oh maybe no no they're dead no um yeah. and then you have Billy chasing around in a very long scene, Billy chasing around Stripe, um, getting shot by a dart, getting shit thrown at him a lot. Um, then getting a, <laughs> the Kremlins are really good with guns, mostly Stripe, uh, just getting shot at. And when, when, he, when he gets to the fountain, I'm just like, oh, well, how is this going to turn out? But obviously, my boy Giz. Yep. To the rescue, right? In the car, he was driving around the store. Like, how big is this store? The Gizmo is like driving around everywhere. Runs into the dog twice just to freak out the dog, and then finally makes it over to the fountain. Like this is the biggest department store, like in the world. Well, then then comes up with like as Billy is going through the aisles, and again, you know, you can tell that Stripe has set up sort of like a. Uh like some robotic toys moving to distract him, right? Like to kind of lead him to a certain place. But I, I really love the, it's kind of like cause and effect through this entire movie, right? Uh, with the water and the food and everything. But even when Kate is trying to help by turning on the light, she ends up turning on the fountain, which turns, you know, turns out to be a bad thing. But uh, I mainly want to talk about when Billy's walking through the aisle of stuffed animals 
and then you just focus in on ET, just very obviously there, and then Stripe like is behind it. I thought that was great. Well, also with Kate turning on the water, I don't know if you noticed, but as right before that scene happens, uh, Rock and Ricky is talking about how the Marines have been, you know, getting ready, and their uh, their plan for the Gremlins is to they have water hoses. Oh, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Right. Yeah. He's like the Marines are on standby uh, and they're going to turn water hoses on these guys. And it's just like, oh, man. I, I thought that's a really nice touch because, as you said, you like didn't even hear it. So to have something so small and so subtle, I think it's cool. Yeah. And then um, just the luck that Gizmo has that that shovel was like laying on those soil um, bags just right to act as like a, a ramp. I mean, he, he would have figured it out some way. And then, you know, then just probably one of the more gruesome deaths in cinema history. Like, that just keeps going. I thought it was so cool. Like, the whole effect. Like, obviously, there were, like, multiple puppets and some sort of, like, uh, slime ooze something um, hidden with, like, you know, movie editing and cuts like that. But it was so cool, especially at the end where he pops out of the water as a skeleton. It's like, these things are hard to kill, you know? And then the dad walks in with just no reaction. Like, oh, what are you, what are you kids been up to since I've been gone? I've been on a work trip. No one's answering the phone. Uh, how are things going? Uh, the, I, I see the movie theater is, is uh, completely blown up and bodies in the street. But yeah, I'll give you my scarf. Like I I, I, I I sold an ashtray to a guy at the gas station. You guys want to hear about it? I don't I don't understand the direction or the acting from that actor or given to that actor in that moment where it's like he just walks in like he he walked into his own home. I I don't understand it. I don't think it's the greatest choice, but I guess also you don't want to be too distracted by his like, oh, oh, what what happened here? You know, shit. So I don't know. The movie ends with uh, the grandfather coming back for his mogwai. And I love the way they shoot him. They shoot him from behind, just kind of showing up at the house. And yeah. he looks like seven feet tall, <laughs> yeah. but he's just standing on a ledge and steps down as like completely uh, a normal size. And then he grabs Gizmo. And I just love the line reading of like, I believe there was a box. I love the line where he was like, oh, you can understand him. And then he's like, you can understand anything if you just listen. And then he opens the box so he can talk to Billy and just in very like plain English, like very understandable. He's like, bye, Billy. And I'm like, yep, that's a totally foreign language. Well, we could understand Gizmo was speaking rather normally throughout the movie that we could understand him. They made it seem like no one could freaking understand him except for the old Asian dude, you know? Right. And then he just yells at them like, you don't understand nature's gifts, but then tells Billy, perhaps someday you will. And, you know, he'll be waiting for you when you're ready. Well, I love like they, they, I feel like they put in this like, like what is the message to this movie? Because at the very end, he's like, it's just like you Western folks to ruin every God-given natural thing given to you. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Is, is, do we not take care of the environment? Is that the message of this film? It's a very early climate change uh, movie. 
Um, and then the dad gives him a smokeless ashtray, and I'm like, oh man, he's trying to give. And the guy's like, oh no, thank you. I saw the guy tried to sell me this. I'll take that. Um, which what is a smokeless ashtray? Is it just an ashtray with a cover on it? Yeah, and then I think you. So yeah, smoke doesn't get out. I presume. Um, that I do love. Shitty I do. I do really love the final shot of the Asian grandfather, like walking into what looks like a painting. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, I don't know how they did it, but it was really cool looking. I assume it's rather easy. But. The the narration is one of my favorite parts at the end where he's like, if your washer's on the fritz or your antenna is out or, you know, something's not working right in your house before you call a repairman, check, under, check in your cupboards, check in your drawers, check under your bed because you just might have a gremlin in your house. I think it's one of the best like closing monologues in a movie that I've heard in, in, in a while. I, I hope you have like an appreciation for some of the like genius that is put into this movie. I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I would. I was not really looking forward to watching Gremlins. As I said, I thought it was gonna be stupid. Um, but to have like one of the most badass strong female female characters in movie history um in billy's mom uh-huh and just to have like a zany subplot that makes no sense about a inventor father who somehow is able to feed his family right and to have like a female scrooge and a a really racist guy who gets murdered by his own american plow there's just so many amazing parts of this story but in the end you just have these these gremlins and then this cute mogwai i mean what's not what's not to love when you have all these components it's it just turns into such a great christmas movie and i hate to sound like so old school but the fact that hardly any or if any at all cgi was put into these uh creatures and it was all practical effects i think makes it like timeless like i i this could have come out like five years ago and i'd be like yeah i believe it well you could also very easily see the practical effects because whenever the creatures really needed to move you didn't get to see all of them because there's like someone's hand up a puppet making it move but still great yeah uh leave leave your criticism of the gremlin puppets alone all right that's a wrap for another episode of i finally watched i'm alan and this is david and today, I finally watched Gremlins. <laughs>